Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples asked Jesus. As if they don't think Jesus is going to be there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like they're, all, they're talking to Jesus, the king of the king, kingdom of heaven. Who is the greatest? As if they don't think it's, it's him. It's Jesus. Duh, right? The disciples ask this question and then Jesus does something very shocking. He brings a child. And he says, I want you to be like this child. I want you to be like this child. As Daisy read, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We just read the book of Matthew. Another disciple, his perspective on it. He ends, when you read in Mark chapter 9, he says the same thing actually that we just read. Except he adds one more line. He says, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last. And the servant of all. Wow. What just happened here? What just happened here? The disciples, they're beginning their journey of transformation. They are beginning their journey of becoming like the rabbi, their master, Jesus Christ. And, you know, you would think that you got to realize that, you know, children in ancient Israel at that time, it's not like in Korea where, you know, children in Korea, you know, they're very, uh, they're very taken care of. They're very prized. They, you know, they have baby expos. You know what I mean? They have strollers, you know, such expensive strollers, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, back then in ancient Israel, it wasn't like that. Actually, children, children were actually not seen, uh, did, were not seen as significant as they are today. They didn't bring much value to society. And then Jesus brings his child. And he's like, you got to be like this child. You would think that as they listen to their rabbi, Jesus, you think that they would get this. And let me point something out, out real quick. One chapter later. One chapter later in Mark, this is what happens. And as you'll see on the slide. And let's see, read Mark 10, 13 to 15. And they, the people, the crowd, they were bringing who? They were bringing children to Jesus so that Jesus might touch them. And what did the disciples do? The disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was angry. And he said to him, said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's interesting, right? Jesus said, receive people like these children. One chapter later, they're rebuking people for bringing children. Like, come on. Come on, disciples. You would think that they took this to heart. Later we read. Later we read. Later on in Mark chapter 10. Right after they got rebuked again. Let me read. It says, And James and John, specifically James and John, all right, the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Like, What? Jesus, we want you to do whatever we say, our master. Right? And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? 
And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. The other disciples were jealous. They're, they're getting mad at them for asking this question. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. And Jesus says this, So whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <laughs> Let me paint what's going on here. What's the initial questions that the disciples asked Jesus? Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is those who are lowly like this child. And they're like, okay, thanks, Jesus. One chapter later, the lowly are coming, and they're saying, don't come over here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 let me say it one more time. You got to be lowly. Don't reject these children. And the disciples, they're like, okay, 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 I got you. And later on, what do they do? They're asking, do you feel, do you see their hearts? As they're asking Jesus, okay, got it, Jesus, okay. Let me ask you a question. Let me slip away from the other disciples here. James and John does. They're like, hey, Jesus, you know, in the day of, you know, the kingdom when you come, like, can we sit at your left and your right? As if they're trying to one-up all the other disciples. Jesus, S-M-H. Shake my head. It's like, it's like, um, I grew up. When I was a kid, whenever we ran to our parents' car to get in, if you have siblings, we yelled something. We said, shotgun. Shotgun, no blitz. Meaning, I'm going to sit in the front. I'm sitting in the front. Right? And so, it's just, can you imagine if, like, adults, adults, adults did that today? Can you imagine if, like, Pastor Susie was, was driving... And Jacob and I were on there, and I'm like, and we're running to the car. I'm like, shaka no blitz. And we're like fighting to sit in the front. You, you know what I mean? It's so immature. It's so uh, childish, isn't it? Very childish. Today's uh, message title is, if you're taking notes, it's called From Childish to Childlike. From Childish to Childlike. So the question of the disciples, how do I become great? How can I come up top? How can I progress? How can I one-up everyone else, Jesus? The disciples, when they were together, they always argued. The disciples, they were close because they, you know, initially God and Jesus called them, but they weren't always that close. They actually argued a lot. They had a lot of pride. Obviously, we see here, they're trying to compete against one another, right? We see here that the disciples, they were focused on what? They were focused on prominence, competition, position, elevating themselves. They were one-upping one another. The thing is, these disciples, 
Jesus didn't call them because they were so special and popular in society. Actually, in society, they were just nobodies. Tax collectors and fishermen, they didn't really have any status of prominence in society. But isn't it weird that they're acting like they do? They were nobodies who were called by Jesus. What happened after Jesus called them? This is what happened. They gained some experience. They rolled with Jesus, who, be, who started to become really, really popular. And they started, you know, oh, Jesus is the one we follow. He's our rabbi. Did you see that miracle? Yeah, we're with him. And then what? They start doing miracles. They start casting out demons. They start doing these amazing, powerful miracles. They start getting some experience in their belts. And now they become inflated. They're infatuated with themselves. Just because of a little bit of, just because of two things. Experience and association. Experience and association. They felt like they deserved some special status of greatness. It's kind of like when you meet someone famous or you meet someone popular and then you, know, you feel like you're, you tell other people you're their best friend out of association. I remember, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, do you guys know who Lauren Cunningham is? He was a, the founder of a huge mission organization called Youth with a Mission, YWAM. He came here to Korea, and then I went to a conference, and I took a picture. You know, I took a picture with him. You know, like, you know, he does autograph signings. No? What did I do? I posted it on social media. <laughs> Why did I post it on social media? You know, deep in my heart, I wanted a sense of value and greatness because I knew Lauren Cunningham or something. You guys know who Francis Chan is? Very well-known pastor. He wrote Crazy Love. He came to my seminary to preach one time. At that time, I was serving on the student council. We had a chance, we had an opportunity to eat lunch with Francis Chan and this pastor named David Platt. I got a chance to eat lunch with Francis Chan and David Platt. And at that moment, you know, we offered <laughs> if we could pray for them. So we gathered, they, were, they, they laid out their hands, and they, we laid hands on them, and then we started praying for them. And they were blessed. Little did I know, a friend was taking pictures. And I asked that friend, yo, can you send me that picture? <laughs> Posted it on social media. Oh, we got to pray for Francis Chan and David Platt. I felt some sort of like my identity just got boosted. Like, like I know them, like I was special or something. You know what I mean? Association. Here's a good thing though. At least, at least they believed in the kingdom of heaven. They asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? At least they believed in the kingdom of heaven. But the problem is, 
They wanted the kingdom of heaven and they believed in the kingdom of heaven, but they still had a worldly mindset. Their minds were not renewed yet. It's kind of like the Israelites in the Old Testament, in the Exodus journey. You see, they wanted the promised land after they got delivered from Egypt, but they still had Egypt in them. They wanted the promised land, but they still had a mindset of Egypt, of how they were slaves. Transformation needed to take place. They had faith. They believe in the kingdom of heaven. They had faith. We have faith. Everyone here, we have faith. right? But the disciples, they had faith, but it was immature. It was immature. They were a work in progress. We see the pride of... Oh, the pride of the disciples here. Yet Jesus is teaching them, as Daisy prayed, Jesus is teaching them that humility, can anyone say humility, is the ultimate standard of greatness in God's kingdom. That's bogus in this world. That's bogus in this world. Humility is the ultimate standard of greatness in the kingdom of heaven. These disciples, they were being adult children in the negative sense. He points to children. Imagine Jesus grabbing a little bow back there, right? Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why point to someone so helpless? Jesus calls children humble. Think about that. Jesus calls children humble. But why point to someone so helpless, so impractical, so unaware of the world? Why point to someone of such insignificance and saying, be like that? We're called to maintain childlike faith. Brothers and sisters, you and I are children of God. We are called to maintain childlike faith, but at the same time, grow in maturity. Matter of fact, true growth in maturity in God's kingdom is maintaining a childlike faith. 1 Corinthians 14.20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. 1 Corinthians 13.11, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. It doesn't cancel each other out. Paul is calling us to mature as adults, but in our faith, remain like children. Maintaining childlike faith. Here's the problem. Here's the very, very frustrating problem that every single one of us, we all deal with. The problem is this. We get older. As we get older, we grow in responsibilities. We experience more of life. We're exposed to so much more ugliness in this world. We're influenced and we're shaped by all that we're exposed to. 
the more life we experience, the more of this ugliness we see, but also we see it in us. With all this comes increase, you know what starts festering in our hearts? We experience doubt. We start experiencing pessimism. Thinking so negatively. Cynicism. Mistrust. We start experiencing an unhealthy independence. We lose a sense of awe and wonder. And we begin to lean on ourselves in our own carnal logic. Thinking that that is maturity. We learn, how, we learn how to justify. We learn how to make excuses by reasoning things away. Have you guys experienced this? We get jaded. We get disinterested in the things that used to fascinate us. And the older we get, we get more set in our ways. We become more stubborn and less humble. Our imagination withers away. And just like the disciples, we gain some experience. We know a couple cool people. We gain some medals. We achieve a few degrees. We earn some money. And in the process, somehow, we become more self-dependent. We hear songs that say, I did it, I did it, I did it. And it's all about self Sufficiency. Honestly, I'm just being honest. It just feels like the odds are stacked against us. The odds are stacked against us. How in the world can we stay anchored and maintain a childlike faith when every day we're experiencing the, we're immersed and we're saturated in these things? We need to learn how not only to read the Bible, we need to learn how to read our hearts and see how it's really doing. I want to share five descriptions, five marks of what a childlike faith could look like. What does, a faith, what does faith like a child look like? First, let me just repeat what Jesus says. You must be, what, humble like this child. Humility. Humility is a mark of a childlike faith. You know, what's interesting is this. Children, you know, for us, how many of you guys, raise your hands if you ever heard a sermon on humility before? Right? How many of you guys, you read the Bible and you read about humility before? Right? How many of you guys, when you read or, 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 uh, uh, or hear a sermon on humility, you feel challenged or convicted and you want to change to become more humble like Jesus? If you grow up in church, all of us have. You see, for us, we have to intentionally try to be humble. You know what I mean? Children, they don't have that. Children, they don't intentionally make a decision. I need to be more humble. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if little Bo came up to his dad, James, like, I just feel, I, I understand. I need to be more humble. They don't, they don't think, like, they don't try to be humble. They just are. You know why they are humble? 
because they have less experience of life to inflate themselves. They're not polluted by the sin in this world as much as we adults are. Humility. Like I said earlier, in ancient Jewish society, a child was a person of no importance. Right? They were just someone to be looked after. Humility. It means to be poor in spirit. Which leads to the second attribute of what childlike faith looks like. It is trust. Trust. Children, they depend on their, on their parents. Children of God, we depend on our Father in heaven. The point is, we should be childlike in our faith, trusting our heavenly Father the way a kid trusts his earthly parents. The reality is, in this world, you and I, we are weak and we are vulnerable. We are weak and we are vulnerable. The world's mantra says we need to declare independence. The world's mantra says, you see, we may grow. Here's, here's the point. We may grow independent from our earthly parents. But in the kingdom of heaven, the way that it works in God's kingdom, it's not like that. It's about declaring dependence on the Father the more we grow up. But in this world, we become more independent from our parents, don't we? Maintaining that trust in a good father. That is a mark of a childlike faith. And what does this, how does this express itself? If I were to ask you the question, how do, how do you know that you are depending on God? How does that manifest itself? How does that show? An easy answer is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the expression of our dependence on God, our prayer life. The third attribute of a childlike faith is teachability. All right, teachability. Children, when they begin to make sense of things little by little, they ask this question a million times. What is that three-letter three question they start asking? Why? Or in Korean, where? <laughs> W-A-E, right? <laughs> Why? 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 They're, they're curious. They want to learn. I see little Loa you know, running around. She's like touching everything. She's just so curious. She wants to learn what this world is all about. Why? But it's not just about asking the question why. It's about the attitude on how we're asking why. We become, when we become curious, when we want to learn, what does childlike faith look like? Imagine for, with me a fork in the road. They both say, asking the question why. But in one, you know, in this way, we could be asking why out of cynicism, out of negati- negativity, out of trying to be a devil's advocate, a.k.a. you're just trying to be a jerk. <laughs> it's out of pride. That why, that's childishness. But this way, we ask why because out of a sense of wonder, wanting to learn. 
You see, a childlike faith is asking and wondering and trying to learn from people different than you. And considering what they believe as well. Not just as a formality. Oh, why? 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 But like a child. Why? <laughs> did, I, did, I, did, I, did I do that right? <laughs> Teachability. And fourth, not only as a learner, but a learner with, and there's a fourth one, awe and wonder. Awe and wonder. I was looking through a friend's Instagram story, and then this friend's daughter went to an aquarium. And at the aquarium, he was recording his daughter seeing like the whales for the first time. And literally the daughter was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I kid you not. I'm not exaggerating. You know what I'm talking about, right? Whoa, whoa. And I'm just like, it's just a whale. (laughs) So childlike faith not only says why, but whoa. Whoa. We recognize how small we are and how great God is. You know what the byproduct of a whoa spirit is? A byproduct of a heart that is filled with awe and wonder like a child. You know what it is? It's praise. Praise comes out when there's awe and wonder. Psalm 8.2 says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against the enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. There's something about the praise of children. It's so pure. I find this challenging with my getting older, crusty, hardened heart. When we read the Bible, is the awe and wonder there? When we worship God, is the awe and wonder there? When we go out in nature and just walk around through life, is the awe and wonder there? I remember I have kind of like an embarrassing story. I was at a cafe one time a couple years ago. And it's one of those cafes where like a really cool table made of um, wood. Well, a lot of tables are made of wood, right? <laughs> like, you know those tables that have, like, like the inside of a tree, like, markings of a, you know what I'm talking about, right? I was literally just sitting there by myself. And I kid you not, for about 20 minutes, I just, like, stared at the wood. And I, I, I was literally like, wow. <laughs> it was, it's, it's so weird. I was like, man, how can, how, you know, how can it be? It's going to sound really dumb, right? How can it be that God has given man the ability to make something of his creation like this, like innovation, you know? And it sounds so silly, but at that moment, I was really in awe. Like that kind of awe is really is the expression of childlike faith. Awe and wonder. Those who have, a, who have faith like a child will hope, will dream, We'll create. We'll live life to the fullest. We'll be excited. We'll be adventuresome. Man, I want that tenderness of heart. I want to look at a whale and get rocked. <laughs> but, oh, oh, God, you are amazing. 
<laughs> Lastly, the fifth marker of a childlike faith is purity. Purity. Matthew 5, 8, one of the Beatitudes that Jesus shared, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Can everyone say pure in heart? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This verse, when I first read this verse, I only took this verse and interpreted it one way when I was a young boy. And it was this. Blessed are those who do not watch porn and do not lust, for they shall see God. I got in this mindset, it was like, man... I need to stop lusting or else I won't be able to see God in my life. I thought that's what this verse meant. And sure, of course, that is true as well. And then I started studying the verse. Years passed and, and I started realizing, oh, pure in heart, what does that mean? And I realized, oh, pure in heart means in all of life, a pure motives. Pure motives in all that we do. I interpret it like that. It means to have integrity in the public life and the private life, pure in heart. But as I was reading this chapter and thinking about childlike faith, it kind of just sparked in my mind. I was like, it's so easy. Actually, pure in heart means childlike faith. Those who have faith like a child, they will see God. It made total sense to me. Those who are humble. Those who have awe and wonder in their hearts. Those who are teachable. They're going to see God moving in their lives. Another phrase for pure in heart, and I thought this was pretty cool, is unadulterated faith. Can we say that together? Unadulterated faith. Right? Have you ever wondered why that word uh, adulting, we, we, we think about that in like the positive sense, like maturing, adulting. Have you ever wondered why the, there's another word with the word adult in it? It's called adultery. I was wondering like, where did they get that word like adultery, like adult? And how did it become a negative word, adultery? Adultery is a negative word, right? I hope you believe that, right? And I was doing some study and in the Greek and Latin. And there's two root words here. Stay with me. Adolescere and adulterare. Adolescere and adulterare. There's actually two words for adult in the Latin. Adultesere, it means to grow up and mature, to adult. But adulterare, it means this. To corrupt. Adulterare means to corrupt. So the word adultery, committing adultery, it means to corrupt your marriage. To corrupt. And as I was meditating on this word, I was reminded that we need to adult. We need to adolescere. Adolescere. I didn't type it up there. We need to adolescere. We need to grow up and mature but not be adulterated in our faith. Unadulterated faith. 
You see, we have this pure faith that God has given us. But through the experience of life, through sin, through these battles to fight against jadedness and pessimism and, 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 and cynicism, all these things, our faith, our hearts begin to get adulterated. We begin to corrupt. Our faith begins to be corrupted. Our heart becomes so calloused rather than tender. And I want to share a couple things that happened in this past month. Why am I preaching about this? This is a very personal message to me. There was a time, um, I'm going to share this example. A couple weeks ago, my wife, Pauline, she was actually applying for a job. She was applying for jobs. And by the grace of God, she got offered uh, two different positions, both of which she wanted. Praise God, right? But she was stressed out because she didn't know which one to take. Oh, should I take this one? But the pros and cons. Should I take this one? The pros and cons. And I was like, oh, let's pray through it together. You know, pastor, husband, we should say that kind of stuff, right? Oh, like, let's pray together and seek the Lord, you know? And then I joked around with her. I joked around with her and I said this. Hey, Pauline, let's just pray and let's ask God for a sign. And, ask, and here's, God's going to give you this sign tomorrow. You're going to see these people wearing these two specific colors. I'm not going to say these two specific colors because it's going to give away the job she got. But like these two specific colors, you're going to see all these people wearing these, these two specific colors. And that'll be the sign to take that job. But you know, like if I were to be honest with you, in my heart, I was joking. I was joking. I was joking because I was like, in my heart, I had gotten, I realized, so jaded. And so, my heart became so cynical that God can actually speak to us in that way. When I first encountered the Holy Spirit many years ago, and first really began to walk with the Lord, my first love moments, I remember I was so on fire for God, so hungry for God, I would seek his voice all the time. I would go to prayer meetings and people would say, you know, I, I'm praying for you. I got an image of this and I feel like God is saying this. I would be like, yes, yes, thank you. And when I pray for people, I would seek the Lord for his voice. And I'd be like, oh, I'm getting this Bible verse. I'm getting this sign. I see an image of this. By faith, I'm trying to hear God's voice and I would pray for people. It used to be like that and I loved it. But for some reason, as life kept happening and my heart started going through stuff, now I was mocking that. Now I was joking about that stuff. What happened to my heart? The next day, Pauline texts me. And she says, I'm going to take this job because I talked to my old boss and she advised me to take this job. And I agree, so I'm going to take that job. And that, that job was the job I was talking about, those two colors, right? And I was walking around Mangwon Shijang doing some supermarket uh, some shopping. And then literally in my mind, I was like, okay, 
I'm going to go around and find someone wearing those two colors and take a picture of them and send it to Pauline as a joke. Saying, oh, it's a confirmation, like as a joke. Like, it's so bad, right? I'm like mocking it. Literally, the second after I thought that, I lifted up, I lifted up my head. There was a harmony wearing those same two colors right in front of me. And I was like, oh. I took a picture and I sent it. And then Pauline was like, whoa. Cool. And then I was like, yeah. Cool, but coincidence? You know, like, I, that happened. And I was wrestling with God. I was like, I was doubting. I was like, no, it's just coincidence. The next day, I went to K1, to the prayer meeting. And I was sitting there, and I was praying. And I was thinking about that moment. And I felt so convicted, because I felt like what God was trying to communicate to me at that moment in K1, the prayer meeting, was I felt like God was saying, I miss when you had faith like that. I miss when you were willing to hear my voice in that way. Now you went to seminary. Now you study the Bible and you teach the Bible. And you grow in all this knowledge of stuff. What happened to your faith? And I realized, I started repenting. I was like, man, God, what happened to my heart? My heart is old and crusty and hard now. (laughs) What happened? And I said, God, heal my heart. Give me, restore childlike faith, God. Would you restore childlike faith? The following week, our staff, we have morning devotions every Friday morning. And um, I went, that Friday morning happened to be my birthday. Happy to be my birthday. And we go in and we, we rotate. We take turns choosing a Bible passage and like we, we read that passage together. This time it was Pastor Susie's turn. We go there and then she goes, all right, let's turn to Psalm chapter 34. And I was like, ha, 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 Pastor Susie, okay, that's kind of lame. And she looks at me. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you chose Psalm 34. It's my birthday. I'm 34 today. Oh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. And she was like, oh, it is? Happy birthday. And again, at that moment, I came to that fork in the road. Coincidence? Or childlike faith. And I realized God kept presenting me opportunities to choose to believe that I was hearing from Him. Childlike faith. Brothers and sisters, do you have that? Do you have childlike faith? Have we gone through too much of life and have we reassimilated to the patterns of this world to think that we could do things on our own? That God can only speak to me in one way. Do you remember the days when you sought God's voice like that? Do you remember the days when you prayed for people, excited to bless them, hearing the voice? There's something pure about a childlike faith that God is looking for. Can I share one last story? 
No? <laughs> I'm going to share one last story. I remember um, in, when I was a missionary in Africa, um, in Gambia. I was there for about two years. Um, when I was there, um, there was a day when I got really, really sick. I had a severe migraine. I started throwing up. I started going diarrhea all at the same time. And I started like really just like feeling out of it. And turns out I got a test. I got malaria. I got malaria and it, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life, even to this day. And I'm in my room and I'm just like, and I hear once you get malaria, it takes about two weeks to flush out of your system, depending on how severe it is. And at this point, I'm both ways coming out, right? Sorry, I'm sorry, right? Both ways, right? And like the worst part of it, every joint started aching, started hurting. And I started losing like, you know, like I just felt like I was losing so much weight because I couldn't drink anything. Anything I drank, it's out, you know? I remember it got so bad that that night... We had worship service every night, but I couldn't go to worship service. I was in my bed, and for the first time, I started, I started hallucinating. Not for the first time, but I started hallucinating. <laughs> okay. Another story, another story, okay? I started hallucinating. I was lying there, and for some reason, I felt like my hairs grow up, go, go up, and I started getting really scared. Because I saw myself, I saw myself hanging in front of me on a noose, right? And I saw myself like, like dead. And I was like getting so scared. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And like, God, please heal me. Please heal me. You know, do something. And then something happened. At that moment, it's so crazy. Right at that moment, I was living in an orphanage. I was living in an orphanage. These little kids, these little children, you know, they're like six, seven, eight years old. Like six of them come in at that moment. And they come for me and they, you know what they do? They, they lay their hands on me. They start praying for me. And then I'm like, oh, so cute. Like, you know, <laughs> and they start praying for me. But these kids, they're like little warrior kids. Like they're just like. You know, I bind them, like, in their language. I don't know. But they were just praying, and it just felt so powerful. And then they left. And then one of the kids said, hey, missionary so-and-so said, come and try to eat something. So I'm walking to the missionary's house to try to eat something again. I kid you not, it all just went away. I had malaria for two days. And I felt 100% fine. And I started crying. I went to the worship service. And like, you know, in African uh, worship service I was at, we all danced in a circle, you know? Everyone was like dancing. I'm like dancing. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. That was my birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday when I got healed that day. And like, I, I'll never forget that time. And that's the culture of the center I was at. Whenever someone gave, got sick, all the children came and prayed. All the children came and prayed. And, man, I think about that and I'm like, man, I want that childlike faith again when I pray for the sick. To believe that my father can do that. I want that childlike faith to 
have awe and wonder again when I read the Bible. When I worship Him in my day to day. That's the message that I have for us today. And uh, if I can invite the worship team, actually, can we pray a little bit? I went a little long, I think. I don't know. But I've been struggling with this, guys. I'll be honest. I've been struggling with this. Every day, I hear or I see something And I choose this path that says coincidence. Sometimes, rarely, I go this way and I say, thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. I am in the process of repenting. And my great prayer that I ask, I've been asking the Lord every day is, God, will you restore a childlike faith in me? Will you heal my heart? Will you help me to believe again? Will you strip away these layers of self-sufficiency? Would you take away the pride that all this knowledge accumulation has formed? God, I need you to intervene. There's something wrong. And I don't want to go through the rest of my life with a calloused heart. I want a tender heart. I want a tender heart. Jesus says, be like a child. Be like a child. For they will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Can we all close our eyes? And I want to lead us into a time of ministry. And it's going to require some faith, actually. I'd like us to imagine... Imagination is a huge quality of a child. I would like for you to imagine and picture your heart. And as a physical act, can I ask you guys to hold out your hands as if you are holding your heart? And I want to ask us, for the respect of privacy, for us to all close our eyes. And I want to give you this moment right now. To ask our Abba Father, could you show me my heart? Could you show me my heart? Help me to read my heart. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Help me. Show me an image, Lord. Give me a Bible verse. Give me a word. And let me give you a couple minutes. for you to ask that. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this room? Oh Lord, we ask that your mighty voice may be heard again. Show us our hearts.